0: I'm Kristen Knapp. I'm Rebecca Glenn.
2: I'm Nathan Jokers, and this is the Earn and Invest Podcast.
0: And this is the Earn and Invest Podcast. And this is the Earn and Invest Podcast.
3: I've talked in the past here on the show about my struggles with identity. Growing up with the sole purpose of becoming a doctor, I found myself bereft when considering the possibility of leaving medicine due to burnout. If I stopped being a doctor... Who was I? What were my roots? Where do I come from? The truth is, barring my profession, I had much less of a quandary than I had imagined. Although I was struggling with purpose, there was no doubt who my mother and father were, the circumstances of my birth, or even how many siblings I have. I am lucky. For my guest today, however, the answers to these basic questions aren't quite so obvious. Hey, everybody, I'm going to do something today that I rarely do. I'm going to ask you a favor. For the next two months, I am doing a survey on Earn and Invest. This will help me figure out how to best serve you, my audience, as well as let's tell the truth, there are going to be some advertisements on the show. So I'd like to make sure those advertisements at least fit you and who you are In order to do that, we need to know more about you. If you go to earnandinvest.com slash survey, again, that's earnandinvest.com slash S-U-R-V-E-Y. It'll only take a few minutes. Tell us about yourself, and then we can make Earn and Invest a better podcast and have it fit your needs better. On top of that, Airwave Media is going to enter you to win a $500 Amazon gift card if you go ahead and tell us about yourselves. Go to earnandinvest.com slash survey. Again, this will be for the next few months, and I would totally appreciate it if you would check it out. Kristen Knapp is a meteorologist out of St. Louis who I had the pleasure of meeting at this year's Economy Conference. While we spent much time chatting about our financial histories, she also shared her journey surrounding this concept of identity. She's joined by her biological half-brother, Nathan, and her biological half-sister, Rebecca. Kristen, Nathan, Rebecca, welcome to Earn and Invest. Kristen, I feel like our conversation started one day at lunch, and we were talking about you submitting a sample to 23 and Me. Talk yep. to me about why you submitted that sample.
0: So let me first say that while there were plenty of challenges in my childhood, feeling love was not one of them. So I never started this because I felt like a big hole in my heart or anything, although I always did have a lot of curiosity. So really, for me, it came down to curiosity, just knowing that that information was out there somewhere and it might actually be easily attainable. I couldn't not try. So I asked my husband for Christmas 2017 for the 23andMe DNA kit, which those were really super popular at the time everybody was doing them. And honestly, I didn't actually really expect to find anybody more than anything, I wanted to know, like, what was my heritage? I had no idea. I wanted to know some of the medical information because they test for things like, you know, breast cancer gene and early onset Parkinson's and things of that nature. So I got all that information. I'm British and Irish, by the way. (laughs) And that was sort of the status quo for a while. It tells you if you get any close DNA matches in there in the system as well. It gives you those. But it was mostly second, third, fourth cousins, things like that. And then a little more than a year later, I got an email at work one day from a gal who was like, hey, I did a 23 Me kit and it says you're my sister. I was born in so and so year. And I'm like, hold up. That math doesn't make any sense because the only sister that I know of that I've never found was Rebecca, who we'll talk to later. And Rebecca is older than me. This gal was younger. So I was like, hmm, what's the story here, right? And I ended up going to my biological mother who just fiercely denied all of this and was like, no, I didn't have any more babies. I'm like, well, DNA doesn't lie. So, and she'd done this before. There was another sister I came into contact with 20 years ago. She tried to pass her off as Rebecca and then she was like, okay, yeah, I actually had three babies. So this is this is not new, but that's kind of how the whole thing started. And it was all just more curiosity than anything for me.
3: So you had been adopted, you'd grown up in a loving family, Kristen, and you had eventually reunited with your biological mother. She had not necessarily been upfront truthful, but you had found out that you had had at least three sisters. And at this time, you got the 23 and me and found out you had a new half-sister. You had already known about two other sisters and met one. Is that correct?
0: Right, right. In uh, the late 90s, actually, I learned that I could petition the state of Kentucky uh, to do a search. And they did that. And they put me in uh, contact with my biological mother. And then it wasn't much long after that, probably a year or two after that. Another sister, Amy, she did the same thing and was put in touch with our biological mother. So that was kind of the status quo for about 20 years that the three of us knew each other. I wouldn't say we were particularly close, but we had open lines of communication. We'd see each other once every other year or so, weddings, funerals, birthdays, things like that.
3: So Rebecca, tell me about your upbringing. You knew of Kristen's existence or not growing up?
1: I did not know about Kristen's existence until mid to late nineties. A- at that point, that's when I received a letter in the mail from my biological mother. And I wasn't a hundred percent sure that, that it was me, but I was pretty sure. The birth date, time, weight, hospital, all that kind of stuff matched up. And in that letter, she had told me that I had two sisters and she had actually given me the name of one, Amy, And her information. But at the time, I I did not do anything with that letter. I didn't reach out to them.
3: Rebecca, tell me about that. So you kind of you were adopted. You knew you had some siblings out there, but you weren't quite ready to be reunited at that time? I knew I was adopted from
1: my whole life. My adoptive parents were very open with me about that. But I also was raised in an extremely loving home. I never felt that, you know, you'll meet some adoptive kids that say, you know, they just felt like something was missing. I never felt that. I had everything I thought, you know, that every other kid had as far as, you know, loving parents and nurturing parents and things like that. I did have one sibling. We were never close. He was also adopted. I just didn't have that curiosity that Kristen had. I was kind of content with where I was And I just never I never did any of the DNA tests. I never did. In fact, a lot of the things that I learned, I learned from Kristen, like she knew things about me that I didn't know after she found me. And that was kind of amazing. When I first saw the videos on Facebook and started thinking that it was me, so I started like following along on her page on Facebook, she actually posted a hospital picture of me from when I was born. I'd never seen anything like that. So I just never had that curiosity at all to go out and look for or search for any of my you know biological relatives.
3: Kristen, tell me how you tracked down Rebecca. Because mm-hmm. the 23andme story is how you found your youngest sister Jill. Mm-hmm. And I believe your other sister, Amy, you were already in contact right. with. So how did you and Rebecca meet?
0: <laughs> it's a funny story. If you're Googling about it. So after we found Jill. We showed that on the air, got a it got a lot of attention. And I was like, you know what? Let's use this momentum and see if we can't track down Rebecca, the firstborn of the four girls that were all placed for adoption. We knew very little other than, you know, date of birth, hospital, time of birth, things like that. So we we did a little video and we put it out on social video, uh, social media on Facebook. The three of us girls were like, help us find our sister. Here's what we know. It got shared very widely. And I guess um, Rebecca saw it, right? Rebecca? Yeah.
1: I ran across it on Facebook and I immediately got out of bed and went and got my original birth certificate out and matched everything up. And I woke my husband up and I was like, oh my gosh, I think this is me. <laughs> and he listened to it and he was like, no way, there's no way. It was just this random video. And so I created a fake email address and Facebook account and tried to send them messages to say, hey, I, I think this might be me, but let's make sure first. you know. Finally got through to Kristen at work the next morning and we started emailing back and forth. But I was still very secretive and thought I was being very guarded. I wasn't at all. They figured it all out immediately. But I wouldn't tell them my name, where I lived, anything about my family until I knew for sure that it was me. But by the time we figured that out, they already had all the information that they needed.
3: Now, Rebecca, you had sounded like you were reticent originally in the 90s when you got the first letters and started hearing about this. What had changed such that you were ready to maybe make contact?
1: I don't really know that I was ready to make contact. I shied away from them for a while. I I was very resistant, and and I hope that I wasn't ugly about it to them. But I just that was just my personality. I never I never really thought that I would meet them in person, or you know, I just I never had that that desire to do that until I started talking to them. And I was like, these girls are pretty great, you know. So mm. I I kind of let my guard down a little bit. But it took a while. I think the biggest thing that had changed is the day that I saw. That video, my parents had been, my parents passed away two weeks apart, a year before that video was shared. I always worried that my parents would have their feelings hurt if I went searching for my other family. I don't know that they would have at all. We never really discussed it because like I said, I never really, I never really thought about doing it. But in the back of my mind, I thought if I did do that, would it bother you know, my adoptive parents, they, they were my parents they you know, and so that was one reason why I never even thought about reaching out for, you know, or searching for my biological family. But they had been gone for about a year when this video popped up. And then the curiosity hit me, you know, that, that these girls were out there. And I started kind of um, enjoying talking to them and finding out more about myself, honestly, like, I, Kristen, let me know that, They they had had contact with our birth mother. And so she knew that I was actually the only one of the four of us that went home from the hospital with our biological mom who thought she was going to try to raise me and then turned around and put me up for adoption. The other three were immediately placed for adoption. I, I never would have known those things about myself because I never searched for that.
3: So Nathan, I want to bring you into the conversation, but before I do... Kristen, tell me the way you introduced Nathan and Rebecca to me to help explain your relationship. (laughs) Tell the audience what you told me before we went live.
0: I said, Rebecca is literally my sister from another mister and Nathan is my brother from another mother.
3: (laughs) So (laughs) So Nathan, your father basically had a baby with Kristen's mother, who is Kristen. And yet you, she Kristen was put up for adoption. Your father left that relationship and eventually had you and you grew up with your father. Did you know that you had a sibling out there that you had never met?
2: I had no clue. I I thought my my family was solidified between my mom and my dad and my biological brother. I thought that was it. So when this all happened, it was it was it was something new and different at least for me.
3: Did your father know there was a child out there or did he not know either?
2: He had no clue the entire time. So Kristen was was kept secret for over 40 years.
3: So tell me what that felt like. Like, Nathan, how did you find out of Kristen's existence? And tell me about that moment when you learned.
2: Well, I, I found it interesting because the day before Kristen reached out to me, she stalked me on social media. And I think I think it was... Mainly for the fact to, to to see if I was I was a normal human, I was a productive member of society, and and maybe yes. test the waters to see if I was even worth reaching out to. So I it kind of caught me off guard when a, a random meteorologist from St. Louis tries to befriend me and follow me across social media. And and at that time I was not. I, I live in St. Louis now. I live right down the street from Kristen. So, but at that point I I never I didn't know who she was. So. I was actually at work one day, and uh, I received an email through Ancestry DNA. And Kristen, she she sent me a note and was like, "Hey, it looks like we're really close relatives. Can you help me, you know, figure this out?" And I said, "Sure." And and I responded. I said, "You know, let me just get a little bit more information from you about you know who your biological mother's name is, where you were, um, where you were brought up, and maybe I can help you kind of connect some dots." And it was a it was a really close match uh the The, the ancestry kids said, "Hey, we're either uh, half siblings or first cousins." And at that same time, as soon as I got that that email from her, that initial email from her, I was in the back of my brain doing some um some fuzzy math, trying to figure out which one of my aunts or uncles was up to no good in college. <laughs> and and the, the math never checked out. So as soon as she came back with more information, I kind of cross checked some facts with our dad, and and the rest is history.
3: Kristen, I want to talk about how all of this changed your concepts of family and your own identity. Let's start with family. How do you define family now? Because I imagine for you, this connection between who you brought up with who were the adults in your life versus these siblings who you didn't even know? How has that changed your concept of family?
0: Hmm, that's tough. You know, obviously, my parents that brought me up, that's mom and dad, right? But biological family, that's family too. However, I do believe sometimes we choose our families in the sense friends become family and such. And I also think that just because someone is family, maybe they don't have to be, i.e. through this process, there were some not so great things that happened with my biological mother. We won't we don't have to go into detail there, but there's just a lot of lies and a lot of a lot of toxicity. So at the end of the day, you have to protect your mental health. And if that means putting up a barrier there and being like, no, this isn't going to happen, that's okay. And, and I know Rebecca has similar feelings about, about that as well. She's, I don't think she's ever been in touch with her and doesn't have any plans to be.
3: Rebecca, do you consider Kristen family? I do. I do.
1: It's, it's a different kind of family. It's, it's hard to really put into words. I feel like even with like stepchildren and things like that, like if you're not raised in the same home, my definition of family just seems different, you know, but I know she's family. We do, we have a lot of similarities. We, we get along really well. The conversations always flow easily. I feel like she's still somewhat of a stranger. You know, I don't know a whole lot about her. I know Nathan and Kristen, they, you know, they're together a lot. They live in the same town. They do a lot of things. They hang out together. We, we live hours apart, but we've, we've met in person twice. Yeah. Yeah. All four of us sisters met once shortly after we've, all found each other, and then Kristen came to my hometown and spent a weekend there, and, and it was great. I enjoy spending time with her, and and look forward to getting to know her better. But I, there's still so much about her and and her family and her upbringing and everything that I don't know. I mean, we talk a lot about it, but it it just there's you know I'm 50 years old. There's you know there's almost 50 years there that I I didn't didn't know the any of these people, so it it's just different.
0: Rebecca I'd love for you to share. I know you told me that when we found you, that at some point you felt like maybe your parents played a role in us finding each other. But also, if you don't mind telling this on yourself because I think it's adorable, <laughs> that how nervous you were when I came to see you that last time because you didn't know that we'd have anything to talk about.
1: I I was. I mean, it was, you know, like I said, like almost like a stranger coming to spend the weekend and you know, like Kristen said earlier, you make your friends, your family, you know, and I I know, I know their ins and outs and their habits and what they like and what they don't like. And, and this was like, you know, someone new coming to stay with us for the weekend that I'd met one time and and I didn't know, you know, where does she want to go eat? What does she want to talk about? Where does she want to hang out? Does she, you know, and, and it was so easy once she got there, All of those fears, you know, I I didn't need to spend any time worrying about that. But I did before she got there, just because I didn't because of the unknown. But it all flowed very well, and and we had a great time.
0: You told me at one point that you felt like maybe your parents had a hand in this.
1: I did. Um, I worked for my dad. He was a dentist in town, and my mom worked at his office too. And so, as a young adult. They were such a huge part of my life. They were a huge part of my life all the time. But even after I had grown up and had a family, I was with my my mom and dad all the time. And like I said, I had one sibling, but we couldn't be more polar opposite. And I was never close to him at all. He was never close to my, my parents at all. He was also adopted. He was one of those children that was adopted that did have a lot of questions about where he came from, he had substance abuse problems, you know, did that maybe stem from genetics or things like that. And so he was never really around. So it was just the three of us. And when my parents passed away, actually, my mom passed away five years ago this week. And my dad was two weeks before that. They passed away so close together. It was like my whole world was turned upside down. And I'm married and have three girls. And you know, they're my family now. But that part of my life was kind of gone. And so when these girls came around, I was like, maybe that's a sign for my parents that it's okay. You know, it's that they're not upset that I, you know, look into this and reach out to these people and maybe they sent them there. So I had family because I, I felt such a, that was the point where I felt a hope, you know, I felt a void because my, my family was gone. I had my husband and my kids and his family, but, but that part of, you know, my life was, was just gone so quickly all at one time. So I kind of felt like maybe they were, you know, playing a part in that saying it's okay to do that now.
3: Kristen, as Rebecca was talking about being nervous when she first met you, I'm reminded of the video you allowed your news station to capture you meeting your other youngest sister, Jill, I believe you and Amy yeah. met Jill. And you can see on the camera, her hands are shaking. Yes. (laughs) And some of the kind of, I'm sure, giddiness, anxiety, fear, and happiness and joy all rolled in one of meeting someone who is related to you, finding out you had a sister Mm -hmm. you didn't know you had. Nathan, so you got a sister, but you also have a sister who has three other sisters. (laughs) And this is the first time you're meeting Rebecca is right here right now has your conception of family changed at all because i'm thinking like what so what does rebecca mean to you nathan the (laughs) sister of your sister like how do we even conceptualize (laughs) that
2: that's a good question i haven't really (laughs) thought about it until uh until right now i mean you know i think to Kristen's point you know in in many cases you know we we really kind of we choose our family we can we can choose our tribe we can choose the people that we want to really surround ourselves and, and, and help, you know, and hope that they enrich our lives. So, you know, for me, I, I mean, I consider this kind of very, very similar, you know, it's, I don't know Rebecca very well, you know, but ultimately at the end of the day, you know, she, she is folded in and then, and everybody else is folded in too. So, you know, I, ideally we could use this as a catalyst to, you know, get to know each other and, 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 and more down the line. So, so for for me, my, I I've always felt too that, you know, we can, we can choose our families and, and figure that out. So I kind of adopt that, that mentality too.
3: So Kristen, we can choose our families, but can we choose who we are? Tell me about some of the similarities and differences you found when you found these siblings, did you find that you were very similar to them, although you had been brought up in different circumstances?
0: Yeah. Well, just a couple little interesting notes, like, Two of the four sisters are both like teachers and married guys named Joe and have beagles. It's really weird. I I go into schools a lot and talk about weather and people are like, oh my gosh, you're such a great teacher. You missed your calling. You would be great at this, you know? So, and Rebecca, your girls are both teachers, right?
1: I have two that are teachers now and one that's currently in school and will be teaching in about a year and a half.
0: Yeah. So there's something to that. And I was a that.
1: substitute teacher for many years before I started working for my dad.
0: And a lot of us are all very um, I think very kind of like right brains and planners and really organized. I jokingly say almost to the point of a little OCD about some things. <laughs> I mean, Rebecca, do you feel like you share that?
1: I think like the the similarities and differences that I found immediately were Chris and I are both kind of take charge kind of loud and outspoken where Amy and Jill are a little more timid and shy and they kind of, you know, hover to the back. I think another really interesting thing is that Kristen and I were actually at the University of Kentucky at the same time. It was crazy to me when all of this happened to find how close in proximity we all were raised and never really crossed paths, but yet we really actually did. I, and I thought that was kind of cool. So we were we were both Wildcats at least for a while. Yeah, it just you know there's a lot of differences as well, obviously. But you know they'll say or do something, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that kind of reminds me of myself. I don't think we look anything alike. Now I'll show friends pictures of us, and they're like, oh, I see it, and I'm like, I don't see it. But I maybe I'm crazy, but some people can definitely see similarities in in our looks.
0: So how we were both at the University of Kentucky at the same time, I've got to tell this story about Nathan, because this is also just, this is bananas. My very, very first TV weather job was in Columbus, Mississippi, population like hardly anything, right? you probably never heard of it. Columbus, Mississippi, 1996 or something like that. I did weekend weather uh, when I was finishing up at Mississippi State University. Nathan... Was in boarding school how many blocks away at that time?
2: It was right down the street, maybe four (laughs) blocks. Wow.
0: Yeah. And then also, and this is just kind of random, like how many people do you know that ever worked at Disney World? Like Nathan grew up in Mississippi. I grew up in Kentucky and we both worked at Disney for a while. Now, not at the same time, but still just a lot of weird little things like that.
3: Kristen... Tell, we've mostly talked about similarities or differences from your mother's side. How about from your father's side? First and foremost, Nathan is not your only half-brother, correct?
0: Right. There's another one. Yeah, he okay. lives in Tennessee. First of all, let me just say, when when I first found my biological father, I was shocked to learn that he's actually in my like TV viewing area which I never expected in a million years, because I grew up in Kentucky. I thought he was over there somewhere, right? But he's actually just right across the river in Southern Illinois, about an hour away. So he had seen me on TV, you know, had no idea. I was his daughter. Shortly after we we all met and all of this stuff came out, Nathan had some changes in his life, and he was working remotely. And he moved to the area because he was in Chicago when we first found him. So now we get to hang out all the time. We travel together. We're we're so similar. We're, we have such a good time together. So similarities. This is actually one of my favorite stories. Nathan, were you there on the barn that day with the chains? Or did I just tell you about that? You were there. I was. Okay. There. Okay. So there's a family farm, big, big giant farm, lots of barns. And my father was kind of showing me around one day and we go into this barn. And on the wall are all these chains and they're all organized by like size and weight and just like perfect organization of chains in a barn. And that was the moment I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, this man is my father because I would have done the exact same thing. And I, and I, my husband's always like, you know, cause it's a little, it's a little over the top the organization sometimes and the need to have everything a certain way. Right. And that's the first time I've ever seen that in somebody else. i been like, that's why.
3: we are talking to Kristen Knapp, who's a meteorologist out of St. Louis, who I had the pleasure of meeting at the Economy Conference a few weeks ago. And she is joined by her half brother, Nathan, and half sister, Rebecca. And we are discussing the nature of family as well as identity. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. usa.com that's landroverusa.com i have a confession to make money has been stressful to us lately look we are in the midst of a house remodel we are sending our first kid to college and everything i thought i knew about budgeting has been out the window The main savior for us has been Monarch Money. We started using Monarch Money about three months ago. My wife and I have been thinking a lot about our finances and our budget has changed, but we love Monarch Money because it's collaborative. We can both look at this together as well as share it with other people like a financial advisor if we want to. It's really aspirational. We can put information in there about, for instance, our kids' college education or about our remodel and we can see where we need to go and where we are going this is the next generation of personal finance apps Monarch Money is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now you can get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash earn. That's monarchmoney.com slash E-A-R-N. What I love about Monarch Money is it's intuitive. It's really easy to sign on and connect all your bank accounts and credit cards. As we said, it's collaborative. It's also customizable. Like we were able to build in exactly what we wanted to do with our kids college education as well as our home remodel. This is an app that is customer focused really Monarch Money is looking to make this app useful to you and me and all of us who are aspirational about our money. After trying out Monarch Money for myself, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners to the show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash earn. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. Let me reintroduce you. We we're talking to Kristen, Nathan, and Rebecca. They are all siblings, although not all related to each other. Rebecca and Kristen share the same mother. Kristen and Nathan share the same father. And we're talking about the nature of family and identity. Nathan, did you see the documentary Three Identical Strangers? No. No. So it's this really interesting documentary. And the reason why is it's a group of identical triplets who are separated at birth and stumble into each other. And what's really fantastic about the documentary, if none of you guys have seen it, I really suggest you see it. In the beginning, they talk about how similar the brothers are, how... They had the similar likes and dislikes. They had similar ways of standing. They all like to smoke the same cigarette, all these kind of things. But as you go through the story, you start seeing that actually all three of them are a product of their upbringing and the three different families they grew up in. And they have this wonderful montage at the end where you realize that they're actually very different. And we tend to glom on to the things that are similar about them because we know that they're identical siblings but ultimately in the nature versus nurture struggle we see that that nurture at least in their case may have won out nathan tell me how has this changed your ideas about yourself like as you found out you have this sister you've gotten to know or you guys now live close to each other has it changed who you see yourself as i
2: don't think so yeah. i've I've, you know, before meeting Kristen, you know, I had a very established life. I think if, if anything, this has just been an added bonus, you know, outside the fact of me now being a middle child, I think (laughs) this is just something, it's, it's something new and special that I didn't have before. And I, I, I was never really seeking it or, you know, I was, I was never feeling that there was, there was a void. I think it's now I have a, a built-in friend that lives down the street that, and we can hang out, and we happen to have a lot of things in common. And it, it's funny too because you, you mentioned a lot of the, the the commonalities and similarities. You know, over time, as Kristen and I got to know each other, we found there are differences. Like she is a she is a total planner, and I would prefer her to be a planner. So if we do things or go on trips or vacations. I, I'm very happy with just Venmoing her, however much it costs. (laughs) And, and also, you know, she is, she is very structured and and organized as, as well as, you know, our, our biological father, but you're not looking at my desk right now where I actually have just a pile of receipts that uh, ultimately need to get uh, categorized for work. So there are, there are uh, a lot of similarities. There are a couple of differences at the end of the day though. Like it's, this is something new and special that, that is just an added bonus to to where I was in my life,
3: Kristen. Let's talk birth order. Like I always mm-hmm. tell people, I was so lucky to be the youngest because I got the best of everything. I always say that my brother Mark is the most organized because he's the oldest, and he was a go getter. And Andrew, our middle brother, was you know the most interesting and artistic, and because he was a middle brother, so he was always toying with things and left on his own. Did it give you a little perspective to realize that you are now? I don't believe you're not the oldest, you're not the youngest, you're right in the middle of the bunch, right?
0: Yeah, well, with the girls, yeah, Rebecca's the big sister. I'm second out of four on the girls. On the boy side, I'm the big sister now, I'm the oldest, which I think Nathan's a little cranky about not being big brother anymore, <laughs> he's <a> little brother. <laughs> but yeah, no, I do. Rebecca kind of mentioned that whole, we're both like these take charge people. I think that is part of being kind of a big sister, the older sister. I think you kind of, certainly since we have found each other as an adult, that has not changed about us. I'm not the oldest, but I'm still very much a take charge as is she. And I imagine, Nathan, with many regards, you are as well.
3: Rebecca, yeah. tell us about your children. What did they think of all this? I mean, by the time Kristen came into your life, your kids were growing up or grown up?
1: They, they were grown, yes. Uh, my oldest daughter is 26 and my youngest is 19. I have one in the middle they were super excited. Like they were, they knew, like I told you before, I believe I'd received that letter many years before they knew about that. So they knew the the idea of me having siblings was definitely a a possibility. So my husband and I sat them down that next day after I had run across that video. And I said, "I, I think, I think this is me. And they were like, let's find out. So they actually were the ones that like, helped create all the accounts and send out the messages, you know, these anonymous messages that I thought were so anonymous, but they were they were very <laughs> excited about it. They were excited about having more family. They had a lot of friends that had like a lot of cousins and a lot of aunts and uncles. And they just never really had that. They they have one aunt and uncle on my husband's side and their cousins there, but that was really all the family that they ever knew. And so they were, they were really excited. They were with me when we went to meet the first time. All of our, our families were together. So that was kind of cool. They have not you know, had the opportunity to spend any more time with, with any of them, um, but neither have I. So you know, we haven't all gotten together again, but, but my girls were really excited about the idea.
3: Nathan, how has this impacted your life? I mean, looking back, finding out you have a sister, now you guys live close. It sounds like you spend a lot of time together. How has this changed you?
2: well i never anticipated moving to st louis so uh, she she actually jokingly one night uh, we were having a game night and she just jokingly said move to st louis be close to like me and and your dad and and i i thought about it and a couple of days later i said you know what sure cost of living is a lot more reasonable here we were in the middle of a pandemic i said you know why not so um so that's probably the, big, the biggest change is, is physically. But, you know, it, emotionally, it's, you know, it's it's nice. It's, it's nice that I get to I get to see her often. We get to hang out and it's it, it just kind of quickly turned into a, a really like siblings aside it, we just turned into a really good friendship.
3: Kristen, there are lots of people who are standing at the cusp of that Pandora's box, looking at the 23andMe or whichever genetic test they choose and thinking about sending it in. What would you tell people who are about to take that step? Maybe they think I'm adopted. I could have some siblings out there or wondering who their biologic parents are. Can you give some advice to the person standing on that precipice right now?
0: I would say, make sure you are emotionally ready. I would even say, make sure you're emotionally strong because this can go sideways. And Nathan and I, uh, as we went through all of this, we joined some different Facebook groups that talk about these types of scenarios, like people doing DNA searches and what they find, what they don't find. There can there can be some pretty traumatic things. I mean, through my experience and going through this whole process of putting all the pieces together, there were some pretty awful things that i was told at one point, of course, I found out those things weren't true. But my point is, lots of ups, big ups, lots of big downs. And you might find out something that you wish you rather, you know, maybe didn't know, right. So I would just go in, especially if you're looking for somebody, I would just say, go in hoping for it best learning the truth. And if a relationship comes from that, you know, bonus, but you can't expect that you really can't. And you know, when I first met these guys, I even said when I the first email I ever reached out to Nathan, I said, look, I don't want anything. I don't need anything. I'm just trying to figure out where I fit in all this. Right. Like I'm, I'm a established. I don't need your money because <laughs> I think that's one of the first things. What do they want from me? Right. Yeah. I I even told my biological father, I was like, you, you don't owe me anything, you know? And he's like, but you're my daughter. And I'm like, well, I love that you feel that way, but I'm just saying you don't have to, you know, if, if we, if you don't want this relationship, that's okay. But from the very beginning, he embraced it.
3: Rebecca, let's look at that from the other side. You were the person who ended up being sought out right? So you weren't the one doing the searching. You were the person who were sought out. What What advice can you give to people who maybe get an anonymous message through Facebook or in the mail saying, hey, I think we're related? What can those people do? Or what do you think the safest way to to look at the type of situation is?
1: Well, I feel like in, in my case, once I got to that point that I was getting ready to take that 23andMe test, I didn't have any expectations because I wasn't the one that was, you know, going out searching. I worried about the other girls because of what may come back from my test. And some of that turned out to be, you know, some fears that I had, you know, came to reality. But I I had no expectations at all. I knew in my heart that it was me, you know, before I took the test that they were looking for. But I think we got a little more than, than that with, with me taking that test. So I think Kristen's right. You just have to be emotionally prepared, especially if you're searching something out, you know, by taking that test. I think that's it can be really hard.
0: I want to jump in and elaborate a little bit on what Rebecca is saying there. My biological mother had told me that Rebecca and I were full sisters, that we had the same father. And she had told me back in the late nineties who my biological father was. And over the next 20 years, while it wasn't a close relationship, I got to know he and his boys. And one in particular, you know, this is my brother, you know, and and weddings, funerals, all the things, you know. And then when Rebecca's test came back, yeah, the test kit came back and said we were halves. My immediate thought was, well, she's blonde. She's got a different dad. Of course, these people that I've been told for the last 20 years are my paternal side. Obviously, she's just got a different one, you know, but it started bugging me. It was bugging me as a scientist. I'm like, I got to figure this out. I can't not figure this out. So I called up my brother, or at least the person I thought was my brother. I said, hey, if I send you this kit, will you do this test? And he's like, this is dumb. Of course, we're related. You know, we look alike we're we're so similar. And he did the kit and he texted me at work one day and said, can you give me a call when you get a minute? Because I'm looking at these results and I'm clearly not reading them right because I don't see your name anywhere. And that's when I knew he hadn't put it together yet. And I immediately messaged Rebecca and said, hey, can you log on to your kit and see if there's any new names that have popped up? And there was my brother. So I E the paternal family that I had gotten to know for 20 years, wasn't my biological family. It was her biological family. Wow. Yeah. So that's when there were a lot of lies and a lot of awful things for my birth mother to cover that up. But anyway, ultimately I decided to try to find my biological paternal family did an ancestry kit because I hadn't done that one yet. And that's how we found Nathan. And that's where all that started.
3: So you knew Rebecca's brothers before she knew her brothers. Uh, I don't don't
0: know them still.
3: You had thought they were your brothers. Right. Which they ended up not being because your mother was not fully truthful. Yes.
0: For more than 15 years, these people were in my life. Yeah.
3: All right. So Nathan, I have to go to something way more lighthearted. This has gotten heavy (laughs) quick. So I Sorry. met I met Kristen at the Economy Conference. This is a financial independence conference. This is the test of whether you're truly are your siblings or not. If you're truly a sibling of Kristen, you probably think she's crazy for being interested in financial independence has Kristen talked to you about this conference she went to and, and the stuff she's into? And what do you think about it? Oh, oh yes.
2: She has, she's talked to me about it. She has roped me into the fire movement, <laughs> even when, even when she and I met, you know, I told her that I had ambitions and, and goals to retire remarkably early. And, uh-huh. and so she and I have had the conversations of, of what steps need to, you know, we need to take in order to get there. And then just, she started to talk to me more about you know, different conferences and different books and, and opportunities to to get there in a smart and strategic way. So um, just put that in the column of more things that we have in common. She just introduced me to it. I had no idea that that the fire movement really existed, and until she kind of educated me more about
3: that.
0: We went to campfire together.
3: We did, yeah. So you're you're down the rabbit hole now. <laughs> oh, I am. I am. <laughs> And Rebecca, have you had you heard of this financial independence stuff? And um... uh, no,
1: not at all. This is where this is one of those huge differences. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope that I don't have to work for the rest of my life. No, I'm teasing. You know, I'm I've raised three girls, and so you know, putting all three of those girls through college and those kind of things. So retirement is is definitely on the back burner for me right now.
3: Well, I wanted to thank you all for coming on the show today. You know. My idea behind having you on was this idea of trying to understand identity and where we fit in and how that jibes with family. And as I listen to your stories and how complicated they become, you know, you realize that on some level, family is biological and on another level, it's chosen. And what's interesting about your story is you've now chosen to take the biological connections and rebuild a family that maybe was taken from you. And so it's wonderful to hear and definitely inspiring. And yet I can tell through these conversations that it's complex and it's complicated. And going through my own struggles of trying to figure out who I was after the death of my father, taking on a career path that was his career path, And trying to not only understand who I was through a father I had lost, but also differentiate myself from him. I can only imagine how complicated it is to find out you have a bunch of siblings you didn't even know you had. Thank you so much for coming on today to talk about these issues. Kristen, you are part of the Financial Independence Movement Whereas Nathan and Rebecca are probably not tied to this community. So I'll start with you. What's coming up next in your life? And if people want to know more about your journey, what's the best way to reach you?
0: Hmm. Well, if you live anywhere near St. Louis, you can tune into News 4 and you'll see me do the weather. Otherwise, if anybody wants to discuss anything, honestly, I think the best way would just shoot me an email. I'm at uh, kristin.cornett at kmov.com. Also, if you want to see any of these news stories, just go to Google and type in Kristen Cornett DNA, and they're all going to come up right there.
3: And Nathan, we may run into you at some financial independence events like another Camp 5, right? You probably will. <laughs> you probably will. <laughs> but that may be the best way to get in touch with Nathan. Rebecca, tell us what's coming up next in your life.
1: Actually, my oldest daughter is getting married in a couple of weeks. So that's that's big news around here. So that's that's where our focus is right now.
3: Ah, So your family is expanding because she's bringing, you know, she's getting married yeah. and maybe one day children. So, yeah. Excellent. Well, this has been the Earn and Invest podcast. On behalf of myself, Dr. G, I wanted to thank Kristen, Nathan and Rebecca. Thank you guys so much for coming on and telling your story. Thank you. Earn and Invest is now part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to this show as well as other fine podcasts. Today's episode has really made me think a lot about identity, how we identify ourselves and I realize in my life, and, and maybe for many of you, one of the ways I've always identified myself is by the treadmills that I get stuck on. So what do I mean by that? Well, we've all talked in the past about the hedonic treadmill, this idea that we buy things because it gives us a hit of dopamine and endorphins and makes us feel good, but unfortunately. We have hedonic adaption, which means that that good feeling that we get from a purchase only lasts so long and eventually we return to our baseline state And so what do we do? We try to recreate those good feelings by buying more. It's really easy to identify yourself by the things you buy. You're the kind of guy, in my case, I bought a nice car, a Tesla. So I'm the kind of guy who owns a Tesla or a nice house or lives in a specific suburb or wears a certain type of clothes. Probably in my first iteration, I identified myself by the hedonic treadmill, by what I bought After that, once I realized that things weren't making me happy and my job wasn't making me happy, I started thinking about financial independence, and I started thinking a lot about building wealth. And then I got on my own kind of wealth treadmill, where this idea of side hustling and making extra money and seeing my bank accounts increase and my investment accounts go up All of that created good feelings, which then made me want to do more of that. So even though I was getting closer and closer to my goal to financial independence, I wanted to do more side hustles, create more things, monetize more parts of my life. But every time I got to a new goal, to a new net worth level, to a place that I had thought I couldn't get to, instead of being happier... I felt a little empty, a little bit like maybe I had to set a higher goal. So again, I was now on a new type of treadmill, a wealth treadmill. And ultimately, that wasn't making me any happier because I always went back to my baseline. Since then, I've been able to step off that treadmill. I have learned to be happy with the amount of monetary wealth I have but just like in other times of my life, I've found other treadmills to replace it. Sometimes I find myself on what I call the achievement treadmill this idea that achievements make us feel good. And by getting to higher and higher levels to achieving more and more, we're going to feel better. And again, we usually do, right? When my podcast gets a certain number of downloads or When I find out more people are buying my book, or when I do a public speech and I get a bigger audience, or I get paid more to do it, I often feel those good endorphins and dopamine for a short period of time, but again, it doesn't last. And so who am I without my treadmills? Who am I without these activities I do to create good feelings? And if it's all just one big treadmill, what's really the point? It's something I think a lot about. And so I've tried to pivot now away from these treadmills and tried to fill my time doing activities that I enjoy doing while I'm doing them. That don't necessarily have an endpoint. The end point isn't making more money. The endpoint isn't achieving more or getting more accolades. The end point isn't to buy something or to enjoy physical objects. The idea is to feel good and purposeful in the activities I'm involved in at the moment. And so whether that's writing or podcasting or just having a good conversation with friends, the idea to enjoy the process regardless of what product comes out of it, regardless of what I end up with, it was still worth my time. And so I want to identify myself with those things, whether it's podcasting, whether it's writing, whether it's writing another book, whether it's having these conversations with you right here right now i'm tired of treadmills i'm tired of running places and getting nowhere i'm tired for f- searching for that ephemeral sense of happiness or good feelings that a lot of these externalities bring but that are fleeting Today's episode was about three non-identical strangers, three strangers who found out that they were related, that they were brothers and sisters. It makes us question what we know about our identities. In the same vein, I think the treadmills that we tend to jump onto artificially create these senses of identities, but it's not really who we are. We are are the people who love doing the things we love doing. And so the question for all of you as you listen to this episode as you think about your own identity is what do you love doing? What is the best way to fill your time right here right now? Regardless of the outcome. All right, cool. I usually leave things running just a few minutes to catch whatever we talk about after is the after show. Um, man, you guys, I mean it's a complicated story. Mm-hmm. Did you you seem to follow it pretty
0: well though? Usually I have people stopping me all the time and be like, now yeah. wait, now how? So, and you know.
3: So yeah, so so let me get this right. So there's Kristen, Amy, Jill, Rebecca, same mother, all yep. different fathers. Mm-hmm. Rebecca has a different father who has two children who you thought were your brothers, but are Mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. And Nathan and you share a father and you also share a a brother. Right. That's impressive. I'm impressed. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) So I think I have it all. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's so, yeah, there's the biological necessity of knowing like your family history and what medical problems run in your family and those kind of things. But I imagine, too, that it it fills in just some of the history of who you are, right? Like, who am I in this world? Where did I come from? Even if those, you know, the people who are your biologic parents may not play a huge role in your upbringing, it still gives you, I guess, some perspective of where you and kind of your people come from.
0: Yeah, I mean, just seeing where some of my most um, um, significant traits came from for the first time, like, ah, what a big light bulb moment, you know, having always wondered, why am I like this? That, that was big.
3: It also seems, um, so clearly your mom had some mental health issues. There was obviously some lying and some things there, but in a sense, it sounds like she did the best she could for you all by giving you up and you all seem to get placed into wonderful families. And I'm pretty
0: sure Rebecca had, and I agree. Mm, Thank mm. God she made yeah. the decision that she did. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah.
3: It sounds like the worst thing she did was keep from you kind of the information about your fathers, which, or, or even letting them know that they had other children, which I guess would, was the downside.
0: Yeah. I don't know what's going on with her, but unfortunately she, she likes to tell lies for attention and some things like that. And, Um, you know, you turn your head for a lot of years and you say, oh, she had a rough life, you know, but sometimes those things get bad enough. You just kind of have to be like, okay, well now this is harming me. And we just, we just can't, we're not going to have a relationship. You know, it is what it is.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's not a perfect story, right? It's not, it's it's not not a perfect story. It's not everyone is happily ever after per se.
0: But let me say this. And this is what I tell people through all the ups and downs. And there were many (laughs) at the end of the day. Look at all this amazing that has come out of this, right? I mean, come on. I would do it again 100 times over.
3: Tech moves
1: fast. So keep pace with the Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch. With new episodes every day, this podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more.